0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Female Founder Fridays. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I'm Lindsay White and I am your host. And this podcast is all about telling the stories of these incredible female founders and what they do in their businesses, how they got to where they are, the lessons they've learned and hopefully uh, giving us some wisdom uh, that they've learned along the way. My guest today is Brandy Payne and she is a mental health consultant who works with high performing individuals and teams to help them dodge that burnout that we're all experiencing right now. And Brandy's take on how to approach mental health, particularly for those of us that are those real A-types that are really driven, and we're really passionate about what we do. And so the traditional approach doesn't necessarily work. And so Brandy's got something um, that's really novel um, that I hope uh, will help you if you you're in a place where you're experiencing some burnout, which I think so many of us are. And she's got some interesting lessons that she's learned along the way to share with us today. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Awesome. Welcome, Brandy.
1: How are you today? I'm doing great, Lindsay. It's so good to be here with you.
0: Uh, I am so glad uh, that I could, uh, you know, get a little time with you and have a chat because I'm Super, super curious um, about, you know, first of all, how you got to be a workplace mental health consultant, because that is something that is really important and really needed right now.
1: Yeah, it's an a bit of an interesting story, perhaps. I think it's interesting, but we're always fascinated by our own stories, aren't we? (laughs) Um, But for me, like I, uh, when I was in government, I one of my roles was the, to be the minister responsible for mental health in the province of Alberta. And it was through that experience that I, I really came to see how much mental health underpins so much of our lives. If we are feeling healthy when it comes to our mental health, we can accomplish so many things. But when we're struggling with our mental health, everything becomes so much harder. And so when I left government, it was really important for me to continue the work in mental health because it's just such an important part of who we are and trying to decide where to land and all that and what to do because like, there's so many really fantastic organizations doing a lot of really great work in terms of like, community-based mental health, um, providing supports for for people, you know, like Canadian K- K- Mental Health Association, both provincially and, and locally are doing great work. Um, and a lot of other organizations are doing a lot of work for their clients. So, you know, lots of cool stuff. But for me, I, I settled on mental health in the workplace because for so many of us, that's where we spend most of our time. So much of our waking hours go into our work. And so the more that we can do to have the workplace be a place that's at the very least neutral for our mental health, if not a p- source for good for our mental health is so important. And I think, you know, admittedly a, a piece of that was also fueled by my own personal experiences with burnout in the workplace, um, including from my role in government. It's, uh, you know, the the thing is there's a, there's so much, so many of us I think have, have jobs that we're really passionate about, that we really love, but that take a lot out of us. And so, uh, I've really focused my, my consulting work on, on helping people to kind of navigate that balance of, I have a high stress, high impact job that I love, and it takes a lot out of me, but I don't wanna just like, I don't wanna do something else. I don't wanna just like take breaks or go on vacation all the time and slowing down doesn't feel right. And so it's like, how do you, you know, manage those, those competing pieces in a way that lets you keep doing the amazing work that you love, um, while also protecting your own well-being.
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, so many things there that I absolutely love. One of the most important ones, because I come from a background working in a corporate human resources team, that workplaces have to be a space where we can actually feel like we are cared for, um, where we can openly discuss our issues and that are not toxic and detrimental to our mental and, and ultimately our physical health, right. Cause the two things are so connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a similar experience. I worked in a, I worked for a very toxic leader. It was a very toxic environment that is just absolutely wearing on your body and your emotional state and your mental health. Um, So I love that you are getting right in there with teams and leaders and workplaces to help these, help people that, like you said, are really passionate find like, you know, Oh, just take a break. Oh, just have, you know, go on regular that, that doesn't work for everybody. That's great advice, but that is not for everyone.
1: Yeah. And I would, you know, dovetailing with that. I I think it's also important to know that and and to note that, you don't have to have a toxic, horrible leader for your workplace to have a negative impact on your mental health, right? There's a lot of different factors that go into how we experience our workplace. And so that's why part of the work that I do is focused on helping workplaces and leaders within the organization to identify where in their organization, the particular pressure points are Mm -hmm. And Sometimes it's just like, a combination of, of workload but then also like lack of flexibility with work and certainly yeah. in my experience has been a lot of, more on on that piece for my personal life yeah. um, and so it, it's one of those things that i think you know even leaders with the best of intentions can end up in a situation where where things are unintentionally undermining well-being in the workplace and I, that's why I think it's so important for us to to be looking at these things and you know doing those checks on what's going on with you in the organization, but also checking in with our people and how they're doing. Because some people have a really high tolerance for stress. They you know can go 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 forever, and they seem to be like the energizer bunny. I think we've all. Encountered those folks, um, and then there's other of us who it's like we can go so far, but then it's like we we need to take that break or else we crash. Um, and other people, it's it, like we're we're all different, and and ultimately a, a key piece of it is is really getting to know your people and what makes them tick, but then also how can you support them in the way that helps them like stay at the top of their game to you know keep up with that creativity, that innovation, um, productivity, and, and just like showing up for work as their best self Um, because at the end of the day too it's, it's also about being able to show up as the whole person that we are right i'm brandy i'm the same brandy whether i'm at work or if i'm at home with my kids or hanging out with my best friends i'm still me i bring everything that i have with me and everything I'm feeling, everything I'm experiencing comes with me to each. And if I'm in a safe environment where my whole self is accepted, whether that's home, work, with friends, whatever, it's much healthier for me if I can just be who I am, share how I'm feeling, as opposed to feeling like I have to put on an act or put on the mask or, you know, fake it till I make it or hide part of how I am. Because ultimately it's that that needing to like hold back that really kind of shears off some of the edges of what makes us great uh, and makes it harder for us to be successful at work.
0: Yeah. You know, this is where uh, you and I have so much in common in terms of our philosophies because it it really is true. It's not like we change hats when we, well, it used to be when you walked into the office. Now it's like literally changing, you know, walking over thresholds and rooms in our home. We don't become someone different. And I think um, if nothing else, this you know pandemic and so many of us moving home so quickly like we you know for many people just got dropped into it from Friday to Monday, it really has demonstrated that we can't show up differently right with mm-hmm. um, you know the way we come to work we are who we are and we're all um, sort of really seeing people, Like in a whole new, um, you know, really beautiful light. Like we were just talking before we started the recording about cats, cats interrupting yoga and dogs, interrupting meetings and kids running in, in the middle and partners, you know, taking calls. And I mean, we're all showing up so much more authentically. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we just, I think we get to bring so much more of all the good pieces of ourselves.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think it also helps us to see our coworkers and our team members as the whole person that they are. Really? Uh, especially because, you know, in a more traditional workplace where, you know, everyone's got their office or cubicle, you tend to just see some of your coworkers as, you know, the role that they p- perform in your organization right? And it's, I mean, obviously we all have our, maybe not obviously, but like for many of us, we have our work friends and we get to know them as a person a little bit better. But for some of the people who maybe we don't have that close personal relationship with, they remain, you know, the accountant or, you know, the engineer or the dress person or, you know, whatever works in your own individual workplace. But when you see someone in their home uh, and having, you know, their lives kind of pop in from time to time. And yeah. like the, the, the souls that share their homes show up. Uh, it, it really helps to humanize in a lot of ways. And, and to remind us that we all are actual humans, actual people who have, you know, complex inner and outer lives and a whole thing going on outside of the workplace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, so I guess I'm curious, how has your, Interactions with the teams and the leaders—how has that shifted with working from home? Has that changed the way you are connecting with those people and what you're working on with them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely, we're seeing there's a, uh, uh, obviously there's way more Zoom meetings for everyone, right? And so a lot more, you know, seeing people on camera or you know seeing the little like icon because they've chosen to have their their camera off. For that session um but yeah a lot more virtual delivery which i think has been um both good and challenging one of the things that makes it challenging of course then i mean we we reams of paper have been written about uh um was it even paper anymore should we say dozens of pixels uh about you know the uh impact of zoom meetings and like online meetings on, on people and, you know, just the act of sitting and looking at the same square and multiple faces at once and how that kind of overloads some of our processing systems in our, in our brain. Um, but I also found one thing that's great about it is that, you know, it gives that kind of window into the person. I think a lot of people, over time have put some thought into, you know, what's in the background for their square and personalizing it in a way. Uh, At the same time, it still gives us a way to look someone kind of in the eye and get some of that uh, feedback from them. You've also heard from a lot of managers who've noticed that, you know, they'll have some team members that regularly turn on their camera during group meetings. They almost always have it on, but if that person then is leaving the camera off for a couple of days, that gives them a a signal that maybe to check in uh, offline, like with a phone call or something else, just to see how that person's doing and and how things have changed for them. One of the other pieces that I've really found uh, since the pandemic is there's a lot more interest in having conversations about mental health in the workplace. And there's a growing understanding that there's a role for the workplace when it comes to individual mental health. The workplace isn't the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, we all have our own, you know, environmental or social triggers that Mm -hmm. contribute. So for example, the pandemic is one that we're all experiencing, but, you know, people could be having fights with family members or going through a challenging time in a marriage if they're married. Um, health scares, things like that, are other contributing factors. And we also have a like our own individual biological predisposition for mental health conditions, which is a factor as well, cool. as well as like the other things going on in our personal life and our, our social lives. But because we do spend so much time in the workplace and we have so many of our social interactions are occurring during that time, the workplace really does play a huge role in our, our overall mental well being. And one of the things that's been really lovely to see over the last many, many months of the pandemic <laughs> is is that we're, you know, we're seeing more employers going, well, we have a role to play here, or like this yeah. is having an impact yeah. on people. So how can we better support them? How can we have these conversations in the workplace? Are we offering the right services and supports? Do our people have the skills and tools they need to support their own mental well being? And then, you know, a little bit of that willingness to like look in the mirror and see organizationally, are we doing things, are our policies making sense to support our end goals? One example I like to, to use is like, uh, you know, some, some workplaces have experimented with things like no emails after six. But at the same time, if you're doing like, so that, so no email after six sounds like a great rule on the face of it, because then it's encouraging people not to check their emails and giving them that little bit of break time after, you know, dinner time, that kind of thing, which is really great in many ways. And having some, you know, norms and and expectations around after hours communication is critical Mm -hmm. for any workplace. I, it's one of the first things I recommend to most people. Um, But if you're also doing a flexible workplace policy where people are able to shift their hours to meet personal needs, what then are you saying about the person who, you know, is working after six to meet maybe childcare needs in the middle of the afternoon? Like, are they not long, not allowed to respond to emails because that's their work time. Like we respond to emails during our work time. And so, you know, setting up things like try and schedule send but it's okay if you send an email after six, just know that no one's looking at it till the next business day. You know, like those sort of conversations and and taking a bit more of a nuanced look at some of this stuff can be really helpful.
0: Well, and I think, so first of all, I I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, employers are taking a larger role in in saying, it's not, you know, it's not just good enough anymore that, well, we have our employee family assistance program here, call this 1-800 number. And, you know, how do we arm leaders at all levels to be able because that's sometimes that's the hesitancy it's difficult conversation right what do Mm -hmm. i even say but yeah like i don't think you know organizations becoming parental in the way that you can't do this or you have to do that that's that's no way to run a great organization that wants people to be open and participate and create and innovate right um -hmm. so i I love that i love that you challenge them to look at this and think about all the outcomes good and bad that are possible from something that they think on the face looks great but in practical application actually doesn't it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of
1: deal with mental health right and i think that that's the key message at the end of the day is there is no one-size-fits-all and i And I'm going to, and I say that, and I'm going to recognize how much more challenging that makes these conversations Mm -hmm. and how much more challenging that makes these planning, because what's going to work for me, isn't going to work for you, isn't going to work for the person down the hall. Um, But it's ultimately by having that more personalized approach and having those conversations with individuals, like, Hey, Are you okay with receiving emails or like, I'm going to send you an email sometime, but I don't want you to get back to me until next business day or, Hey, how's your workload going? Do you need to take a little bit of extra time off? Cause I know we've put a lot on your, your plate lately, or, you know, like, are you going to work? I know you have to work on the weekend to make this deadline, can we book you off some couple days down the road? Are you okay? Do you want to save it for later? Like just asking those questions, realizing that we are all individuals and it's going to be different. The cool thing about that though, is like, it's a little bit more work up front, but at the same time, when you're meeting someone's emotional needs, as well as like responding to them as the person in front of you, not like generic employee number three, um, it then helps that person feel more engaged in the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's going to help with, you know, some of those concerns around productivity, engagement, creativity, and it's going to really build that sense of loyalty and commitment to the organization. So I think, you know, kind of when we look at a lot of things, when we're looking at management and leadership you put in the time up front and it saves you so much time in the end. And over time, when you've got those relationships built, you do have to do the work, but ultimately that's a huge part of the role of a manager is to, to, you know, support the people on the team and, and set them up for success to be the best they can be.
0: Yeah. It's such a great investment, right? Mm-hmm. Such a great investment. Um, Brandy, I want to ask you because I mean, you, you are doing this in service of others, but you're a small business owner, you're an entrepreneur and, and, and have, have been, but not for that. I mean, you're like me relatively new to the space. Yeah. Tell me about your journey a little bit. Like what, what have you learned? Where have you maybe made some mistakes or messed up a little <laughs> bit? Like, and what, tell me about that. Cause that's really interesting too.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it was funny because before our call, I was thinking about that and I'm like, Oh man, did I just give her the laundry list of all of the little things (laughs) or focus on the big ones? I feel like that's uh, an interesting part of the entrepreneur journey journey, is just how many like lessons you learn the hard way. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, I tried this thing. It didn't work out. (laughs) Tried this thing. It didn't work out. I tried this thing it sort of worked out <laughs> uh you know it's uh it's been a real thing I so you know from a, a business standpoint I would say probably one of the things that I should have probably put a little more time and energy into and it learned the lesson a couple of times because sometimes you have to burn your hand a couple times to learn yeah. the lesson yeah uh is more on the uh the piece of like trying to do a lot of designing at the whiteboard as they describe it in the tech sector so it's like that that idea of like oh this is my brilliant idea and I'm just gonna work away at it yeah without so, kind of shopping out the idea and being like is this something you're interested in is this something that you would buy and if so how much would you pay for it and so having those conversations uh, in advance is I think, a thing that i have learned is better to do uh, or at least you know doing a little bit more market research before just yeah. being like i'm going to do a video course about how to walk people through creating a mental health strategy in the middle of a global pandemic when no one has bandwidth right for, for example just just off the top of my head <laughs> to be clear
0: not necessarily a bad quotation marks bad idea just not what people really were needed or were or were looking for or both. Yeah. In the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, everything is so (laughs) colored right now because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, that ends just about every sentence, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally. And uh so it's it's been a good lesson of like not just, you know, cause a, a lot of the conversations for entrepreneurs are like, figure out who your ideal client is and, right. you know, figure out what they want. And so it's, you know um, for me, it's, it's been really getting clear on what problem I solve for them. Yeah. Um, because I mean, you know, working on workplace mental health, there's a large variety of organizations and industries that this work really applies to. And so for me, ideal client was a tricky question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's more just like, what, what problem does my client have that I'm trying to solve Yeah, and how am I going to solve it for them kind of thing? So, you know, getting clear on that piece was really good. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, eh, perhaps as a mistake as well, or, or learning was like, that's something you learn by doing, not by sitting around with like <laughs> yeah. your notebook. And I mean, journaling is great and uh, spending the time <laughs> to think through it and write it out and, you know, visualize your ideal client. That's important work. And I super recommend doing it, but like, you're not going to get it right. At, in your journal, you're going to have to try it. And you, you like, at least this is my experience, your mileage may vary, but you, you know, you've got, I had to do some of the work. I had to spend some time working with different people to fine tune what it was that I really loved doing. When I first started my focus on workplace mental health, um, which coincided, it was early March that I really started of 2020, that I really started focusing on this interesting timing. Um, But the, uh, you know, at first I was like, well, I don't really wanna do workshops. I wanna really focus on strategy design. And now it's like, I love doing the workshops. Facilitating workshops is like my favorite. Doing info sessions is my favorite. I love that stuff and if it hadn't been for the pandemic i think it would have taken me a longer time to figure that one out um and like i love doing strategy design too cuz that's the way that i'm nerdy but like i if i was just trying to do that i i th- like i wouldn't be having as much fun if nothing else and yeah. then so i think related to that is also i think one of the learnings around like doing doing what you can to focus on the work that you really enjoy doing and, and experimenting to find out what that is. Um, cause for me, it's like what I thought I was going to love doing the most is, I mean, I, I love it still, but I like, it's like my favorite parts aren't what I expected would be my favorite parts.
0: That's really cool hmm. that it, it isn't, it, it isn't what you anticipated it was going to be.
1: Yeah. And so like, it's that idea of like beginner mind or, you know, like approaching with an open mind, what you're, what you're doing and, and trying it out, especially in the early, they keep telling me years. I don't know. I mean, I (laughs) mean, hopefully it's not too many years. Um, But you know, the, in the, especially like in the beginning parts, experimenting and, you know, sticking with what you like and when you can dropping the things you don't like um, because, and, and this would be, I think another major learning of mine was like, when you're running your own business, you get to decide some of how that is. I mean, there's always, you know, restrictions around like, I, I need to pay my mortgage yeah. or, you know, things like that. And what are people, you know, interested in purchasing and like, how much work do I actually have to do? I can't, you know, just stop work at three o'clock every afternoon, cause I got work to do. Um, but as much as possible, setting it up so that your business works in a way that you enjoy. Um, yeah. and that, that brings you happiness is I think so important for your own mental health. Cause I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, it's a lot of work to run your own business and it can be really draining. And so it's like doing what we can to set it up in a way that we get to still enjoy it. I think is so important.
0: You're totally speaking to me, Brandy, cause I, I know, um, particularly this last year, uh, in my own business, I've had real ebbs and flows. Um, and even thinking back to, you know, early in 2021 here, how, uh, sort of overworked and stressed out. And I really had to take a step back and say, hang on a second. Like, this is my bit, like what, who is running the show here? this is my business. I think you need to do a workshop like mental health for entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> Writing this down. Uh, yeah. You a-
1: are the boss of you. Like, come on. Right. Which I think is particularly funny, ironic, yeah, depressing. Whatever. I don't know. Because like <laughs> when you think about how many women start their own businesses to have more control over their schedule. Yeah. Right. Right almost every woman entrepreneur I talk to talks about how she started her business so that she could have more control over schedule, more flexibility. And then if we forget that and we just kind of like let it wash over us, yes. in this like tsunami of work, then we're not actually achieving the goal we set out for when we, when we launched our business. And I mean, ultimately one of the goals that I have uh, in the work that I do is to make it so that flexibility in the workplace is, is part of the norm um, yeah. so that people don't have to quit their their job and start their own business to have any control over their hours. I think, you know, this is something that, I mean, obviously there are schedules to be kept and, you know, like you, if you have a grocery store, you have to have it open in certain hours. If you're running a daycare, you need it staff. But like, you know, within, within reason and within limits, I think there's a lot of opportunity for more flexibility in most workplaces. Um, and just, you know, some of the, the results we're seeing and the um, data we're seeing around how much that supports people's well-being is like it's worth considering if nothing else.
0: Yeah I mean the truth is when I hear you talk about that I think you know the traditional eight to four work environment we we created that we came up with that like there really isn't um you know that sort of came out of the industrial revolution and that kind of stuff but like realistically Because and have we not seen that so dramatically, the technology really frees us from that. But we are such intense (laughs) creatures of habit. um, And we need that. I mean, we need structure. There's no doubt. But that's an artificial construct, right? And as we see things like particularly in Calgary with our tech sector growing, um, and, uh, you know, is that shift going to move away from eight to four because the truth is, a lot of those really creative people, that's not when they're creative. That's mm-hmm. not when they really drive innovation. Um, they do out it out all hours of the day and night. I mean, we're working globally now. So um, I work with clients. I have a client that is in um, the UK. So um, I have a consultant I've been working with that's in Germany Um, And trying to fit together, you know, sort of a more global approach to our working hours, I think is going to, you know, shift that. Right.
1: Absolutely. Well, and some people are night owls and some folks are larks. Like, and so if we don't need to have everyone at the same schedule, then let's set up a thing where like our early people, if they want to start it, like five, six in the morning. I mean, I am sleeping at that time, but I understand there are people who are up and working at that time of day Um, that, you know, like set it up so they can do that. Set some core hours for your organization that are kind of in that maybe middle window, like 10 to three or Mm. 10 to two or whatever. And then other than that, let people work in the time that makes the most sense for them.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, and I know you were doing that um, in the middle of all of this, you and your husband were trying to work and you have mm. girls at home and trying to fit your working schedules around tiny humans who need love and support and educational things. And, um, uh, you know, I, I know that like, that was tricky for so many people. And mm. even now as we flex between in, in school and remote working or remote schooling with our remote working and all of these things, people need more flexibility now than ever. And you're right. As entrepreneurs, Uh, I think sometimes we tend to forget that we have, we have that (laughs) we, we can do, we set
1: the rules in our own businesses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, like for me, it's like my, my favorite work schedule that I ever had in my career before this was I did a nine day fortnight at one of my jobs. So it was like Monday to Friday, one week, Monday to Thursday, the next. So every second Friday off. And I mean, it was partly because there was a fair bit of evening hours. So it wasn't like each day was longer, but there was like a couple of days that were significantly longer. And I loved it. I loved having one day a week where I could just sit in my jammies and watch. Well, back then it was before Netflix, but you know, like just sit around <laughs> and watch TV Um, or I could go out for lunch in the middle of the day, or I could book medical appointments or, you know, whatever it was that I wanted to do. And so you know, when I was noticing that I was feeling like I was, you know, not loving my work schedule, I was like, well, what worked for me in the past? What did I like? And then I set that up so that I have every second Friday off for a while. It was Wednesday because Fridays were hard to do, but you know, currently it's Fridays. Uh, and you know, if I need to, I can shift that. It doesn't, it's not set in stone, but at the same time, because it's blocked off in the calendar, it's easier to do.
0: Yeah. You know, I, and I think that that's actually the key is setting up sort of that parameter for yourself, especially, mm-hmm. and as entrepreneurs um, and we are, we are so motivated. We are so invested. We are so passionate in what we do that unless we actually book that space in our calendar for ourselves, we more than likely will neglect it right? We'll let something else override that. Um, cause there really is always more work to do when you're an entrepreneur, there is always something else that needs to be done. Um, so I, I, I have had to do that. I've booked myself a long weekend or an extra long weekend every month, uh, because I just wouldn't, I wouldn't take any time. So I think that that, that is actually brilliantly simple advice.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, in the same way that we want to make sure that we're blocking time to eat lunch
0: <laughs> or
1: blocking time for some focused work, right? Because especially for, you know, entrepreneurs who have a lot of outward facing work where we're doing a lot of client facing work, a lot of phone calls, that kind of thing. We need some time to do that thoughtful, focused work. And I mean, this is really relevant for, for workers of all stripes, having that time to just drill into your tasks or focus on your tasks is so important. Or like, you know, blocking off time for a workout or a call, like a, a social call with with friends, like things like that. Having it in the calendar for so many of us puts that extra level of accountability in. And then it's like, oh, I'm skipping my lunch. Maybe I should just like take five minutes and go eat upstairs or, you right. know, turn my phone so that it's face down for just five minutes while I scarf this back. I mean, cause I, I, I also like I'm realistic. I know what life is like, but like, you know, and one of the other pieces of advice I give to people is don't take your phone into the bathroom. Give yourself that couple minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just take a few deep breaths.
1: Yeah. Just, just, just go to the bathroom. It's fine. You will be fine without your phone for two minutes. I promise. I'm not going to tell you to turn off your phone for the weekend. That gives me heart palpitations to just think about that. But like a couple of minutes, you can totally do it. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's when our brains really flow and we can be really creative when we're not just completely immersed in, in things on the to-do list, on the checklist and, you know, task, task, task. What if you just booked an hour where you just let your brain kind of explore, and get mm-hmm. curious and and um you know i think a lot of times uh we miss we miss the innovation and creativity because we're so task driven so yeah um brandy this has just been um a remarkable conversation absolutely loaded with incredible thoughts and advice um whether you support a team in a traditional workplace or your entrepreneurs like um you and i Uh, you've dropped some incredible information here that I think is absolutely valuable wherever you do your work and whenever you (laughs) want to do that work. Um, So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to share that with me and everybody that's listening.
1: I'm really grateful for that. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Brandy. That was a fantastic conversation today with Brandy. I really love her approach to helping high-performing teams and high-performing individuals find the mental health supports that they need uh, so that they can really avoid that burnout that so often those types of people are really close to and really find a solution that's going to work for them and fit their lifestyle and help them keep that high-performing edge. Uh, I think that that is really unique, uh, and I really appreciate what Brandy shared with us about her own journey in building her own practice. Uh, I hope you had as much fun listening uh, as we did recording it, and I hope you'll join me next time uh, for another episode of Female Founder Fridays.